I'm Ed Gross, and this is Voices from Krypton, the podcast where we speak superhero. If Watchmen and Justice League had a baby, it would likely be The Boys, which turned out to be one of the big success stories in the world of streaming television last year. Based on the comic written by Garth Ennis and drawn by Derek Robertson, this Amazon series postulates a world in which superheroes are not only among us, but big business in corporate America as well. The show is dark, twisted, funny, and truly one of the most unique superhero shows ever presented. It was developed by showrunner Eric Kripke, the creator of the long-running CW series Supernatural, who joins us on this episode of the VFK Podcast. Over the course of this conversation, he shares what drew him to the material in the first place, the creative approach taken, and the challenges of season two. Oh, and apologies for occasional fluxes in the sound quality. This is probably not the best way to start an interview in sort of such an ass-kissy way, but I have to. I watched all eight episodes of this show, and I'm just freaking blown away by this series. I can't believe how good it is. Oh, right. On. Thanks, man. I'll take that. You You'll take that? Open okay. every interview like that. That's great. <laughs> I interviewed Joss Whedon once years ago. I said that to him, and his response was uh, something along the lines, you know, there's always that little patch of skin on my ass that needs to be kissed, so it's okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that never goes away. There you yeah. go. There you go. Let me, I mean, because it was, it was really a phenomenal achievement, I think. But let's start with your getting involved. I mean, how did you get involved in this thing? Well, it came, I was just a huge fan of the comic, actually. Um, Garth Ennis is my all-time favorite comic book author. Okay. Uh, and I, re I read everything the guy writes. And um, I was a huge, and my favorite things that he wrote. Well, I mean, one, I read everything he wrote. A lot of the work he did on Preacher and Hellblazer was a big inspiration on my show Supernatural. Um, so I read everything that he wrote, and I found The Boys in a comic book shop, and I read it voraciously. And um, and then uh, the way I really got involved was uh, they announced publicly that they were making a Preacher TV show. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Preacher. And uh, I knew one of the producers, uh, a producer named Ori Marmer. So um, I set a meeting with him. Uh, for no other reason than to sit down and say, hey, man, f you for giving Preacher to somebody else. <laughs> Good um, way to start a conversation. Yeah. Preacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I came in and uh, sat down and he said, hey, man, what's up? And I said, well, what's up is f you for giving Preacher to somebody else because I'm the world's biggest fan of Preacher. And he said, uh, well, I have the boys. Do you want the boys? And I said, yeah, totally. That sounds great. And then that was, and then that was it. Um, and then uh, – and then, uh, and then I was involved. And then Seth and Evan um, were circling at the same time because they were producing Preacher, uh, and you know, and it's the same author um, and the same producers. So we all got together and we started kicking around the story. Um, and then, you know, we took it out as a pitch. All right, then that sounds easy. Uh, <laughs> but what was the yeah. <laughs> what was the power for you of this of this comic of this subject matter? Why did it, you know, what, what is it about it that drew, draws you in and makes it such a powerful uh, piece of fiction? Yeah. To, I mean, to me, um, good genre, you know, is determined entirely on like how well the metaphor works for what's going on in our world. Um, you know, cause any good genre isn't just about, spaceships or monsters or whatever it's a it's a reflection and an, and an opportunity to comment on the world we're all living in um and in ways to and then in way and you could be subversive and 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 really 
poke at our world in ways that you couldn't in a straight trauma because you would be deadly earnest, but, you know, add science fiction to it. And, and that's always like the spoonful of sugar. Um, you know, uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry was a master of that. Rod Serling was Absolutely. a master of that. Joss Whedon is a master of that. Um, and so that's always my goal. And, and so here came this piece of material that I already was a fan of, but the, the deeper I started exploring it, um, the, the more this kind of like building cautious excitement that then became elation that then became, you know, just pure joy of just really realizing like this metaphor is the most accurate way I know how to talk about the world we are currently living in. Um, and once I sort of realized that, uh, we were really off to the races and because, you know, what it's about is it's about where celebrity and politics intersect. Um, and it's about mass media and it's about how politicians and corporations use media, uh, and entertainment to manipulate the common guy into doing things that are completely against their own self-interest. Um, and it's about the 99% versus the 1%. And it's about me too. And it's about, you know, authoritarianism and it's creep into American society disguised as entertainment. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's so, it was so endlessly about our world, um, that, that, that got to be really exciting to me. Um, uh, so that's what really drew me in. It, it also seems that the superheroics, everything is, no matter how large the powers are, that sort of thing is, it's all very much rooted in a reality. Um, the, the, the scene that stands yeah. out in my mind that way the most, and like I'm a giant Superman fan. So Homelander was of course the first thing I looked at. It's like, Oh, let me yeah. see who that is. That plane sequence yeah. is one of those powerful, <laughs> yeah, awful, I mean, right? but it's awful, but it's, my God, is it a powerful real moment? I mean, it's just, I, I don't know why yeah. that, of the entire eight hours, that stuck with me the most, that sequence with the plane. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, me too. I mean, it's, it's one of the most horrific and intense and visceral scenes I've ever done. And, you know, I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, I think what we, you know, the way we really approached, approached the heroes in this, um, because, you know, we, we're trying to create this mirror reflection of the real world. And so, you know, we kind of came up with this rule in the writer's room, which is with every hero, um, we have to ground them whenever and however possible. And we have to apply the most stringent uh, reality um, to their psychology. Uh, and we spent an incredible amount of time talking about the psychology of all of these characters. And because this idea that you're a human being and then you're, you're a f***ed up, selfish, conflicted, self-hating human being. So basically all of us, <laughs> and then you're suddenly handed superpowers and sudden, and suddenly all your insecurity goes away. Like it's just, it's not possible. You're, you're just a f***ed up person with superpowers. That's the, that's what would really happen. Um, and, and then, you know, in the way that sometimes celebrity brings out the worst in people, but it brings out the part of them that was already there. 
um, super celebrity would do that in a more concentrated way. It would bring out all the worst parts of you that are already there um, because you have complete access and power. And and ultimately, Homelander is selfish um, and doesn't really even view himself as a regular human, views himself as something more. And and so when, you know, a situation turns on him where it might inconvenience or hurt him personally, um, he's out of there, um, whether that means people dying or not, because he doesn't particularly value human life. Right. Um, he only values he only values love and adoration. Um, and uh, and so, yeah. And so it leads to completely horrific moments like like the one you're talking about. Yeah. And they all have those moments for the most part. I mean, it's like it's it's pretty yeah. powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, just really uh, saying, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and it, but in terms of the casting, I mean, did you have to go for actors who were like sort of willing to do anything? <laughs> because that's what it feels like. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, they all knew what they were signing on for. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I mean, I think they all, to their credit, I mean, we, we really chased after adventurous, incredibly talented, really skilled actors um, and and people that, you know, you know, you have to find people who are not concerned about their quote unquote image, that like they want to get dirty and try different strange things and and with their image. I would say Carl Urban on the side of the boys is the same. Like he just was really interested in like, take, let's take that leading man quality that he has and let's subvert it and turn it on its head. And, and certainly the same for Homelander and certainly like Chase Crawford is coming from gossip girl and then playing like the worst, most toxically masculine dude, bro, you know, um, dude, bro, uh, in the universe. And, um, and, and so they all were game for it. I mean, I, I would say that, not only were they all open to it, they all wanted to do it. They, you know, I've, I've actually, um, I, I've never quite worked with such a committed group of actors that across the board are just really interested in exploring and pushing the boundaries of what their character, of who their characters are. Hey, look, that scene with Chase with um, the dolphin or the porpoise, whatever it was in the car. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Holy that crap. was it's so good. It's it, yeah, it's, it really makes me laugh out loud every time. Yeah, that was it, great. Just so so amazing stuff there. It was uh, like <laughs> I haven't seen that before. Which also raises another question Thanks. in general about the about the series. In that it seems like in the old days, and I know things are changing in any case, but you would have to dole out the revelations much slower and, and granted you're doing it in eight episodes, but mm. that still feels like you guys were holding nothing back in the sense of, well, we ain't teasing this for next year. We're dealing with it now. Right. Yeah. I'm not, um, part of that is personal taste. I, I, um, I, it's funny because I always considered myself. Um, it's like, I suddenly realized over the last couple of years, I'm like, huh, I'm old school. It turns out. <laughs> um, you know, like I've been around from before streaming and, 
and and really when still a lot of shows were on network and um and I still bring that sensibility I think with me um I have like a really fervently big problem with this notion that streaming shows or that classy Emmy winning shows means that they can be boring as shit. Um, <laughs> that drives yeah. me nuts. Yeah. Um, like anyone, anytime I read an interview and someone says, well, what it really is, is a 10 hour movie. Like I, I want to punch them in the throat. Seriously. Like, <laughs> like if you want to go make a 10 hour movie, go make a 10 hour movie. Like we are in the television business and in the television business, we make episodes and episodes have to be by their nature episodic and they have to have a story and they have to have something entertaining. And of course, look, the boys is a serialized show and it builds and, and each piece is a piece of a larger puzzle, but that doesn't mean that each episode couldn't have a beginning, middle and end. Um, and they need to, because you need people to be entertained along the way. This idea of hang in there for four hours because by hour five, it really gets good is yeah. bullshit. Um, it's unacceptable, <laughs> unacceptable as an, as an entertainer, that is unacceptable. Um, and you know, and I, I come from the background, like for me, the, the really influential shows were, you know, I'll put X-Files up against. I'll put the first five years of X-Files up against anything on streaming. Right. Um, and, you know, and that show had mythology and character growth, but it was entertaining. I would say the same for Buffy. Uh, by the way, Breaking Bad is an amazing, is amazingly effective at having stories every f***ing episode because Vince came from the X-Files world and understood it. Um, and even Sopranos did. And so, like, all of these, all the truly great shows were television shows. They weren't 10 hour movies. And for some reason we've lost that notion. And, and it was important to me with the boys that we, that we hold to that. What are the challenges going forward? I mean, are you getting it all from the graphic novels? Do you have anything you can sort of point us in a direction of? Well, you know, we have, um, I mean, look, we, there's 12 books, so there's an incredible amount of material to, to utilize. And, um, you know, you just sort of, um, you take a breath and you see where all the characters landed at the end of the first season. And, and then, you know, you let, you know, for me, I always think about the episode, the season finale is always actually the pilot for the next season. You know, it, it'll set up whatever you're you have to be very co conscious of that and set up whatever the conflicts and where the story goes should all be always set up in the finale of the previous season. Um, and, you know, to me, like the way to make a second season work is yes, we'll continue to utilize characters and moments from the books. Um, but I'm not beholden to the books either. I mean, you have to go where the characters take you and you just got to get the spirit and, and, and and the characters right uh and i think if you do then i think the fans will be you know forgiving if you have to deviate a little bit from their story because they're different mediums um and for me the the you know having done a couple second seasons like i think the most rookie mistake showrunners make in a second season is they try to make a season that's just simply bigger right. um and they try to top themselves and they do the same but bigger uh, and that's one ends up getting a little boring and, and two, it's, you, you can't ultimately keep doing that because you can't make a season three big by season four, you're completely ridiculous. So I always say season second seasons, um, shouldn't be bigger. They should be deeper. 
Um, you know, they should be more intense. They should dig deeper into these characters you've established. Now that you've established these characters, you should really torture them. You know, you should really think about like what makes each character tick and, and, and really take them apart and put them back together again. Um, you know, and, and take these characters you've established and then, and then really put them through their paces. Once you watch the boys, don't be surprised if your perception of superheroes has changed forever. One thing that hasn't changed is that you should subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends about us, and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.